The setting for the scripture, it's a courtroom scene. Paul has been arrested, and they were going to kill him in Jerusalem. They couldn't get it done. And so he's uh, appealed, and now he's before King Agrippa and Governor Festus, and they're having a court trial of the Apostle Paul. So Paul gets an opportunity to give his testimony in verse number 13. He said, At midday, O king, I saw a way in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Now the men saw the light, but you remember they didn't hear the voice. Verse 14, And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. I'm glad he didn't stay dead. Amen. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. A lot of discussion about when Paul was saved, whether he got saved on a Damascus road or whether he got saved down at the house. But Jesus said in verse 17, Now I send thee. Now, I don't believe he sent a lost man anywhere to hell except to hell. Amen. But I circle now. That's present tense. And you don't have to believe what I believe. You're old enough to be, right, be wrong if you want to. It won't hurt you. Amen. Look at verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then uh, to then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God uh, and, uh, to, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and great, saying none of those things that those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, here's my message down the remaining part of it, as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Saul, Paul, Thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth these things before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Verse 28, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. 
And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that were sat with them. And the Bible said, when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. But you ask God to help me. Father, I love you. I want to thank you for the privilege and honor of worshiping you and being in the house of God. And Lord, hearing these old songs of Zion sung and words of praise and testimony given for your glory. Thank you for your presence here today, what we've already experienced and felt in our heart. And I'm keenly aware that I need you to help me. Lord, we've tried to study, we've tried to prepare, but I know all of that is in vain except you anoint us and anoint your words. It goes forth this morning. I pray it fall upon some good fertile ground and Lord, souls will be saved, folks get right with God and the church will be stirred and we'll love you and thank you for all you do. Now we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you uh, for reverencing the word of God in standing I want to take a thought uh, this morning, the Lord being my helper, and I'll give you a little introduction as I just said about the courtroom scene. But the Bible said in verse number 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets the Old Testament? I know what thou believest. And he said, that thou believest. Verse 28, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I want to preach on what is a Christian or being a Christian or how to become a Christian, whatever. And I was on my back porch and God dealing with my heart about preaching this morning. So I want to take that thought, what Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The Apostle Paul got born again, saved by the grace of God. I think on the Damascus Road, and everybody don't have to agree with that. He did get baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, when Judas and Ananias got together uh, down there on Straight Street. But I'm persuaded he'd have never got on Straight Street if he hadn't met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Amen. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, he's uh, preached the gospel and ended up in trouble. I jotted this down uh, this morning, I guess, pretty, uh, when I got uh, trying to get my heart ready uh, to preach this morning. His uh, conversion and his conduct and then the consequences of living the way the Apostle Paul lived. So we got him converted. He got saved by the grace of God, and his entire life changed. And I'm going to try to bog in on that in just a little bit. And as a result of that, he began to suffer persecution. And Paul told young Timothy, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Psalms 34, 19 reads a messianic prophecy about Jesus. And he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. And so if you live right, that doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It'll probably mean you're going to have a lot of problems that you wouldn't have had if you wasn't living right. Amen. But I'm glad the goodness of God and the blessings of God far outweigh. And God is bigger than any problem you got. I used to have on my telephone when I wasn't home to answer it, 
uh, thank you for calling this preacher range or pastor or whatever. And I said, uh, remember one thing, God is bigger than any problem you got. There's probably problems in this auditorium this morning, and God is bigger than any problem you got. Paul was in court uh, because of his testimony of being saved by the grace of God. And uh, he's been at Jerusalem, and uh, they got 40 men together and said, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast, and we're not going to eat or drink till we slay the apostle Paul. Well, they never got it done, and I never have read where those 40 men starved to death. They changed their mind about two weeks later and said, I don't think it's worth it. We're not going to starve to death because Paul's already gone down, and the king's gone down and to meet with him. Long story short, he ends up in court uh, before Festus, and there's three main characters in my text this morning. One is uh, Governor Festus, and the other is King Agrippa, and of course the other one is the Apostle Paul. And that's not negating the fact that Jesus was above all of them. But I want to look at these three characters for just a little bit. Festus, if you'll remember, he's the one that Paul's preaching to, and the Bible said that he uh, said, Saul said, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. You've lost your mind over this thing. Uh, said, tell him that uh, this man Jesus is alive and uh, we know he's dead and all these things come to pass. So uh, I've got three A's I want you to look at in just a minute. I think uh, Festus and God doesn't even deal, Paul doesn't deal with him in this text because he had, uh, I think, sinned away his day of grace. And I think Paul said uh, he's a... Uh, agnostic, he's an infidel, and he's on his way to hell, he didn't believe. Here's what uh, uh, Festus said, Paul, you're mad, you're talking about the uh, light shining brighter than the noonday sun, there's never been a light, a light like that, Saul. And he said, uh, you're talking about this man Jesus that got up from the grave, uh, nobody's ever done that, so he said, I think you're crazy and you've lost your mind. People still think we're crazy because we believe the word of God, amen. But nevertheless, uh, uh, the Lord uh, kind of just had Paul to take his attention in the text. And uh, verse number 24, as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Notice verse 25. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. That's all he said to him. Now look, he goes to Festa to King Agrippa, verse 26. He said, For the king knoweth, talking to Agrippa, these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things were hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. And King Agrippa, my text verse, said, Believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. These three characters, you've got uh, Festus, I call him an agnostic. And then you've got King uh, Agrippa, I call him an almost Christian. Notice what he said in verse number 28. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Well, Paul answered that in verse number 29. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day 
were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Paul used the word almost, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Agrippa was almost a Christian. Look what kind of Christian Paul is in verse number 29. Altogether such as I am. Festus is an agnostic. Agrippa is almost a Christian. And Paul is an altogether Christian. These three things I want you to notice in this courtroom scene. I've been in court a lot of time when I was on the police force for several years. And I've heard about everything, seen about everything I reckon that can go on in a court of law. Some of it I could talk, take, tell you, tell you about and stay here uh, till the evening service. We're not going to take time to do that. I looked at that word in verse number 28. Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. If the Lord will let me slow down a little bit, I want to get you to go to two or three verses of Scripture as I go through these three points, and then we'll be through and go to the house. Amen. I want you to notice this man by the name of Agrippa. He said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. How close is almost? I really don't know, but I do know this. Look what Paul uh, said about King Agrippa. He said he just preached to him in verse number 23 that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and the Gentiles. Verse 24 as he thus spake for himself, Festus, of course, lost his mind there. But in verse number 26, the Bible said, here's what Paul said about uh, King Agrippa, the king knoweth of these things. Agrippa knew about Jesus. He knew he had suffered. He knew he had died. He knew he had been buried. He knew that Paul was testifying of the resurrection of the dead. And Paul said, King, you know these things. And he preached the gospel to him. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he preached the gospel, said the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. I think that's where conviction comes from. It comes from praying and preaching of the word of God. Amen. And Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. But look at uh, Agrippa. He does believe. Now notice, stay with me. I don't want to lose you. And I'm not going that deep. I just, I'm in a hurry. But he said in verse number 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Let's look at Agrippa for just a minute. He believed the Old Testament prophets. He believed that uh, gospel that Paul preached, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So Agrippa believed those things, but he's still not a Christian. Are you listening? Let me ask you, are you a Christian? Uh, what are you based? If you go to court, and I've been in court a lot of times on, on both sides of the desk, amen. But nevertheless, if uh, you testify to the fact that you are a Christian, what do you base what kind of evidence have you got that you're a Christian? Now I'll guarantee you this is a good place to be. Good Bible preaching church. I believe God's here. If he's not, I'm fool. I'm in trouble. Amen. 
But nevertheless, if we could all fill out a piece of paper and write down our testimony why we believe that we are a Christian and going to glory, it would make our hair stand up on its end. Here's what J. Harold Smith preached. He's preached that 70% of the church members he preached to had never been saved. Sammy Allen, I heard Sammy Allen preach. And Sammy Allen preached 70% of the church member that I preached to have never been born again. Larry Wells told me last week, I preached over in Knoxville on the weekend, and Brother Wells said, I believe that 70% of the church members have never been born again. They're not a Christian. Larry Range is preaching to you for what that's worth this morning. And I don't doubt the word of God. I don't doubt the men of God, Brother Allen and uh, Brother Wells and whoever may make those, get those figures together. And those are men that have preached for years and years and years. And the first two's gone to glory. And Brother Wells and I are well on our way. Amen. But nevertheless, are you a Christian? You can be almost a Christian. Agrippa was almost a Christian. He believed the Bible. He believed the Old Testament. He believed uh, didn't have the uh, New Testament in that day. Paul's writing part of it. But nevertheless, he believed the death, burial, and resurrection. And we got multitudes of people today that would tell you, yes, I believe. Well, let me give you one verse of Scripture, and we'll move on. The Bible said that the devil believes and trembles. The devil believes every word Moses ever wrote. The devil believes every word that Samuel wrote. The devil believes every word that Paul wrote, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Are you listening to me? The devil believes and trembles. He trembles because he knows where he's headed, and he trembles because he knows Jesus is coming back, and he trembles because he's going to be cast into the lake of fire, and he still believes, but he's not a Christian. We know that. That's as plain as the nose on your face. So there's more to it than believing. Are you listening? Agrippa believed, but he was almost a Christian. There are multitudes of people today, you ask them, and I, I, I try to witness and pass out gospel tracts. I didn't have one in my shirt today when I left the house. I looked on the nightstand, I looked at my death. I've done, got rid of them, but our brother gave me some. I've got some in my pocket now, amen. I think getting out in the highways and hedge without a, a Bible track is like going deer hunting without a deer rifle. Pass out the word, get it out, but nevertheless, the word of God's not going to return void. It'll accomplish what God said it to do. Agrippa heard the word of God, got under old-fashioned sky blue Jordan River, blood red conviction, and he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What, why do you think you're a Christian? You say, preacher, I, I witnessed to people, I, I witnessed to a man at, uh, on the highway, he got a fruit stand selling vegetables, and I said, sir, are you a Christian? He got mad at me because I asked him if he was a Christian. He said, I was born in the United States. Well, this may have used to have been a Christian nation, but she is far from it today. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't want to get political this morning. It makes my blood boil. 
we got smarter, smart, crooked politicians on the Democrats and the Republicans. They could crawl through a barrel of fish hooks and come out wouldn't be a one hanging on them. That's how crooked they are. But you asked that man, are you a Christian? He said, sure, I'm a Christian. I was born in the United States of America. That doesn't make you a Christian. You could have been born Cherokee, North Carolina in a wigwam somewhere. That wouldn't make you a Cherokee Indian, would it? It's not where you're born, it's where you're born again. Are you listening to me? But he got mad at me, and I could tell you a whole lot of what is some things you said, but he got mad because I've never gotten mad because anybody asked me if I was a Christian. Have you? that make you mad? Somebody said, are you a Christian? I've been on the mission field. A black lady come up and said, are you a, you a preacher, aren't you? Well, I looked to see if I had a chicken leg hanging out of my pocket or... I said, why do you think I'm a Christian? Well, you just look like a preacher to me. I said, well, I am saved and I'm a preacher. Amen. But it, I didn't get mad because they asked me if I was a Christian Amen. or I was a preacher. Amen. It's not where you are born. I was born in West Virginia and I love it. Amen. Don't you say nothing about it. We're not as dumb as we think we are. Are you listening? Agrippa is almost a Christian. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I prayed all week. I pray. I've been praying for a month since I've been here for God to give me direction on what to preach this morning. And out of my heart took me to Acts chapter number 26. Here's what I want. I'll stand before every person that's listening to me this morning at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of my preaching and you'll give an account of what you hear and I don't want anybody's blood dripping from my finger the way Ezekiel said, if you fail to warn them, their blood will I require at your hand. I don't want people's blood dripping off of my hand when I stand before Jesus and he said, you did not tell them how simply and plainly they could be saved by the grace of God. You didn't tell them not to let the devil pull the wool over their eyes listen to me for just a minute Agrippa if you'll study your Bible he never got another chance as far as I know or as far as the Bible says to ever get saved by the grace of God he sent away that opportunity and Paul said you're almost a Christian you're almost Agrippa Paul answered him but said I would use altogether a Christian you ask people, are you a Christian? And they'll say, why, well, uh, the preacher baptized me in the Inneree River. I, had a, I led a fellow to Jesus on visitation. He's in glory now. I buried his wife here a few days ago. And uh, I got him, Brother Jared, and he'd gone, I, he'd come join the church. And I was going to baptize him. And here's what, and he hadn't been saved but just a little while. We probably, we might dip them too fast, but uh, Philip baptized Ethiopian eunuch the very day he professed to, amen. So I wouldn't uh, baptize him on his biblical knowledge. He is just a little infant. He didn't know him better. But he said, uh, I'd baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I raised him up. And he said, praise God. He said, my sin just got washed away and run out in the yard. I said, Joe, that ain't it, buddy. 
You got to get your sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb before you get in the water. Are you listening to me? Why, there's some of y'all so mean if the preacher had baptized you, I guess you got a Baptist church, baptized you and turned the water loose down there. It would contaminate every drop of water in Landrum. Amen. All the sin and debauchery and wickedness and ungodliness. The water doesn't do that. Amen. Here, next time somebody says something to you, you said, well, the Bible said in 1 John that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. What does that leave the water to cleanse you from? If the blood does it all, what good is the water? Peter said, Church of Christ, and I got to hurry. They get hung up over there in First Peter about the as the ark awaiting in the days of Noah, eight souls are saved by water. And I don't have time to do an exposition on the epistle of Peter, but I'm telling you, Peter went on to say, it's not to put in the way of the filth of the flesh. It's like that water pouring over that ark and raising that ark up off the earth, and that water lifted them above the curse and the uh, de- destruction that God sent on this earth. That ark is a type of Jesus and the judgment waters of God fell on him and buried him for three and a half days or so and he rose up from the grave. Thank God he lived and he's alive this morning and we are in him and just like they were eight souls in the ark, if you're saved, you are in Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus lifts you up and neighbor, we're saved because of him. I don't have time to get into that but there's some good preaching over there amen but here's what I'm trying to preach to you baptism in water doesn't save you being sprinkled doesn't save you taking the wine and the wafer the Catholicism they think that substantiation transformation that that Wafer and that wine, when you, if you're, don't get mad at me now, just go read and you'll find out. They eat that wafer and the priest gives it to him and a lot of them are sodomites. They give him that little wafer and they say that wafer turned into the flesh of Jesus. And they say that fermented wine that they drink turns into the blood of Jesus and Jesus said in John 6, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, where they come up with that fooling, uh, you'll have no part with me. And the part there's fellowship, and I don't have time to preach John 6. Amen. But I'm telling you, the wine and the wafer and the water has never washed one sin away. Are you listening to me? I know folks that they live by the law. They live right. They dress right. Ladies have got their hair right. They got their shirt, their skirt tail right. They got the top of it right. They may have the sleeves right, but they've never been born again. The law, what the law, Romans, what the law could not do, God sent forth His Son in the likeness of sin and for sin. Jesus went to Calvary, took all the sins of the world upon Him, and died there in my stead, and I'm saved in Him. I have been baptized. They say, you Baptists don't believe in baptism. We believe in baptism. We're Baptists. 
We believe we believed it a long time before the denomination, the Church of Christ, ever thought about it. Amen. And I tell you why I'm a Baptist, and I don't have time to preach all these messages. Amen. But here's my point: Agrippa is almost a Christian, and the Bible said he believed the Old Testament. He believed that sufferings and the resurrection of Jesus. He believed all of that, but he's not saved, according to the Bible. He's almost a Christian. I think there's multitudes of people today that believe right. They've been baptized. They partake of the Lord's Supper. But they've never been born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, John 3, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, probably one of the most holy men in the Bible. And Jesus told him, Nicodemus, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Well, can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, I'm talking about heavenly things, and you're trying to make it all these earthly things. And if you'll read the Bible, he said, you must be born from above. It takes a second birth. If you have been born once, you're going to die twice. If you've been born twice, you're only going to die once. Are you listening to me? The second death the Bible talks about is an eternal death, just like I have eternal life. If you're almost a Christian, you're going to experience eternal death, and that'll be dying and dying and dying and dying forever and never be able to die. Death will flee away, and throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity, folks that have joined Baptist church have been baptized and partook of the Lord's Supper and tried to live right, they're trying, 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 and they're not trusting. Agrippa would not, did not, for one reason or another, he never cast his lot with the Apostle Paul. He got up and went out with that crowd that was seated there in the courtroom, and he went out to his own destruction, lost and undone without God. I don't know if almost persuaded's in our book or not, Brother Jared, but I'm persuaded there's a lot of people that's almost a Christian. They're on the threshold. They're right at the door, and you need to step into that door. Well, that's almost. Do you know the word Christian? And I guess the preacher's probably preached it to you. The word Christian is mentioned three times in your Bible. Acts 26. Would you look at Acts 11, turn back a few pages in your Bible. I'm not going to get through. I'm just going to have to quit here in a little bit. But I would not be surprised. And I've been preaching a while. I've been praying a while. And I just don't try to drag something up. I'm not trying to make you doubt. But I want you to see you need to be born again. In Acts chapter number 11, the second time, that Christian is mentioned in your King James Bible. Look at verse number, well, we'll start verse number 22 maybe. Acts eleven twenty-two. Then tidings of these things come into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. 
For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. Much people was added unto the Lord. Verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, brought him unto Antioch. And he came, it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Agrippa made the wrong choice. Being a Christian is a choice. God made you, he made me, he made every man a free moral agent. Started with Adam and Eve and said there's a tree there in the midst of the garden. Don't eat of that tree, the day you eat thereof you'll die. They had a choice to eat of the fruit or leave it alone. We know the story of Eve partaking of the fruit, the slanted-eyed, slick-tongued, slithering devil serpent got her to partake of the fruit, but they had a choice to make, and they made the wrong one. So being a Christian is a choice. You you got a choice this morning. You can believe what I'm preaching, or you can say the pastor put me up to it. You say, I'm trying to get people to doubt. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to make a choice whether you want to go to heaven or hell. If I had time, I've got scriptures written down. I preach the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 30, God said, I set before you life and death. Choose which way you want to go. God stands before you today with outstretched arms, said, Come unto me, all ye that labor heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. You've got to come to Jesus. Agrippa would not do that. He made a choice, and he went out that way instead of coming this way. In Antioch, Acts chapter number 11, here's the evidence of what a Christian is. It's a change in your life. It's not only a choice, but if you believe to the saving of your soul, the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the next verse said, the, the new thing, the all things are of God. The things you used to love, you'll hate. And the things you used to hate, you'll love. Brother Peter said, we are partakers of divine nature. I've been married to that lady, be 62 years. That's a miracle, live with one woman 62 years. I will give you permission to speak. Bible said let the women keep silence in the church. But I'm going to give her permission to speak. Did anything change in our life when Jesus passed by? Drastically. Like from darkness to daylight. It was from death to life. You reckon there's any difference in a dead man and a live man? That's how much difference it is when you get saved, when you get lost. 
You come to Jesus, you get saved by the grace of God. He breathes the spiritual breath of life into you. That part that died in the garden, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam died the day that he disobeyed God, partaking the forbidden fruit, and he never was the same till he got washed in the blood of the sacrificial lamb. Are you listening to me? There'll be a change in your life. If there's been no change, you've never met him. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what kind of experience you may have. My sister-in-law said, I know what I believe. I know what I believe. Some of them mean as a devil. Life never changed. If any man be in Christ, he completely changes. That doesn't mean you eradicate the old nature. You become a two-natured person. You've got two natures. I've got the old nature still here. I've got a new nature inside of me. He son, you can't do that. I don't know about you. I can't get by with one thing. One thing contrary to the Bible. One act of disobedience. One unkind word. When I was pastoring one of the deacons, good man, I was about half mad when I, after I got through preaching. You ain't never been that way, have you? About half the church laying out. I didn't know. That deacon was back at the back door. He came out and he said, uh, Pastor, me and my wife, we won't be here tonight. I didn't give him a chance to explain. I said, I may not be here either, buddy. He bowed his head. He didn't want to fuss with the preacher. He just dropped his head and walked out. My wife had cooked dinner, and I got home and sat down at the table. I picked up a chicken leg or a chicken wing or whatever it was. And that thing, I couldn't eat it. The Holy Ghost said, you didn't speak to that man, right? I couldn't eat. Preacher, I had to get up and go talk to that man and apologize to him, and I did. I ain't never been too stiff-necked or stiff-kneed to where I wouldn't bow and tell God I know I, I messed it up. I fumbled the ball. I'm sorry. And if it's offended somebody else, you got to get it right with them. That's a new nature inside of you. The Bible said in Acts, 20, in Acts 26 where I was preaching, they turn. Mark, when you get time, look at that. They turn, they turn, they turn. There's always a turning. There's a change in your life. You're going down the broad road of sin, and the Holy Ghost saves you by the grace of God and turns you around, shines you a light, gets you out of the darkness, gets you out of the graveyard, and you'll be a new person in Christ going a different direction. So there's a choice. That's up to you. There's a change that God does a work in your life. Let me close with this. I hope, I hope you get a hold of that. The third time, look at 1 Peter chapter number 4, if you would, please. I'll be through. Give me, give me about 10 minutes, would you? Would you give me, give me about 10? I promise you, I, I'm not a long-winded preacher. God dealt with my heart about this message. You got Hebrews, and then you got James, and you got 1 Peter. I want you to look there with me for just a minute this morning. 1 Peter chapter number 4. 
verse number sake of time let's drop down to 16 I'd like to start back a little earlier than that well let's hit you at 412 look at 1st Peter 412 beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you he didn't say might try you he said it is going to try you you see that the definite article the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken on. On your part, He's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matter. Here's my word. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Being a Christian is a choice you have to make. You have to make that door. Mom and dad can't make it for you. My mom would have saved me when I was a boy. She couldn't save me. We were married five years before I got saved. She would have saved me a long time before that, but she couldn't save me. My older brother got saved and started preaching. He would have saved me, but he couldn't save me. I had a choice I had to make. You have to make that choice. When you make that choice, if it's real you'll become a new creation in Christ. That's a change in your life. If you hadn't been changed, you hadn't met Jesus. I love that book. I love the church. I love the songs of Zion. I love souls. That's a love God put in my heart. The Roman Bible said in Romans 5, 5, when you get saved, God sheds the love of God abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The Holy Ghost puts love in your heart. I love preaching. I love to preach. I love to hear preaching. I love singing. I even love to hear Bethany play the piano. I love, I love music. I love the songs of Zion. I'm going to glory one of these days, and I'm looking forward to it. There's a change. I made a choice. God began to make a change. It's a lifetime. He's still changing me. But you believe I was reading that book, and I, I read it every day. I studied it every day. And I saw things in there this week that I never had seen before. And I've read through it. You wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you how many hundreds of times I've read through it. But this third point, a Christian three times in the Bible, a choice, a change, and then a challenge. Look at that first Peter chapter number four. Being a Christian is a challenge. It's living right in a wrong world. Amen. It's going upstream and it seems like everybody else is going downstream. It's being a lamb in the midst of wolves. Are you listening? Jesus said, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of war. I got a message on sheep in wolf country. I don't have time to deal with it. But Peter said three things. I'm through. A Christian is a challenge. First of all, you need to make up your mind, verse number 12, 
to be faithful during the fiery trials. You're going to have fiery trials. I thank everybody that's saved by the grace of God. If you'll study verse number 12, it says the fiery trial. I think there'll be a one major fiery trial in every Christian's life. Now we all we all go through trials and fires and different things, but there'll probably be a major trial in your life. I hope we've been through ours. Be faithful in the fire. Look at verse number 13. Rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. Verse number 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Faithful in the fire, rejoicing when you're reproached. You'd be amazed. One of the ladies said something about my wife's silver hair, white hair over there a while ago, and she was complimenting her. And I said, yes, ma'am, you marry a Baptist preacher and will preach the word of God, and your hair will probably look like hers in a little bit. And she said, I'm a stress. I said, yeah, that's it. It's a wonder to me your wife's not completely gray-headed. Just give her time. She, she will be. She's a lot younger than I are, but I'm telling you the stress and the pressure. My wife and I have laid awake all and prayed all night, tears running down our face. I pastored 36 years. <clears throat> I'm going to rejoice in my reproaches. I'm going to stay faithful in the fire. Verse number 15, 16. Stay right through. Verse 15. But none of you, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, busybody in other men's matters. Yet, verse 16, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God. They're suffering even though you are. You made the right choice. You, life began to change, and that's a process. Sanctification is a gradual process. Now, I'm sanctified in Jesus. I'm already seated in heavenly places. But as far as my natural man, as far as this body, I've got to sanctify this. Being sanctified, growing in grace, learning, understanding what's required of you. You ought to see me. No, you don't want to see me. I used to have a little pair of gold bathing trunks about that long, and I'd lay out on the sand in Florida like a salamander laying on a rock. I didn't know him better. I was out the first time after I got saved. We took a group of young people to the beach. Kind of laying out there, buddy, huh? The Holy Ghost said, what you doing, Brother Larry? I said, I'm enjoying the sand and the surf. He said, you are naked, buddy. I said, sir? He said, you're naked. I got up and I slid her like an old dog with my tail between my legs. I got back to the shower house. I put my britches on, and these legs ain't seen any sunlight in 50 years. I wouldn't get out and take my shirt and britches off and lay out here in the sun for $100 an hour. Some of y'all do it for nothing. 
It's a choice. It's a change. It's a challenge to be a Christian, buddy, in this generation. It's a challenge for your man of God to stand up here and say, I believe the Bible and I preach the Bible. Try to have some standards in the house of God. That's a challenge. It's a challenge to go off somewhere and preach because every time you preach, if you preach anything, somebody's going to get mad at you. Everywhere you go, you'd be amazed at what you see from up here looking back y'all's way. Y'all probably amazed at what you see up here sometimes too. But listen to me, it's a challenge to be a Christian. Living right in the wrong world. You ladies dressing modestly. And the Bible said, let the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And I've heard Bethany's dad, that modest word, modest, there's a long flowing loose garment. It's not saran wrap right down behind, right down below your rear end or right here at the top, as low as you can get it. That's not modesty. It's a challenge to be different. It's a challenge to be a Christian. It's a challenge to believe that Bible. It's a challenge to pray over your food when you go to eat somewhere. A lot of folks are ashamed to do it. I'm trying to quit. A Christian three times in your Bible, a choice, a change, and a challenge. Let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? Have you made the right choice? Choose you this day, Deuteronomy 30. I set before you life and death. If you'll read in that chapter, heaven or hell, life or death, it's there before you. You make the choice. God made you a free moral agent. You've got a choice to make. If you make the right choice and you become a Christian, then he wants to conform you to the image of Jesus. And that takes a lifetime. Don't you give up when you fall flat on your face. I done some stupid things after I got saved, and I still do every now and then. Make a mess out of it. But when God gives me light, I walk in that light, as he's in the light, where we can have fellowship one with another. So it's a challenge to do right, live by this book in these hours in which we're living. It's a challenge to have a different kind of church. It's a challenge to go to the house of God and be in love with God's people and love the church and love the Lord. It's a challenge. But it's to be worth every bit of it when we stand before Jesus one day. And I could go a thousand different directions on the challenge. It's a challenge for you to submit to the authority that God put over you in this book. You know that's true, don't you? Are you a Christian? Can you walk down memories lane when you made a choice? You chose Jesus rather than the world. And I didn't get on the turn. You read Acts 6, 26, you get on. They turn, they turn, they turn. And somebody's well said, it's turn or burn, one or the other. You can believe all you want to and hold on to your sin and die without Jesus. You can't have Jesus and the world both. Have you been born again? If you haven't, why don't you come today and give your heart to Jesus? Would you stand with us, please, Brother Jerry? Can we sing a verse or two or something? Would you make a choice this morning? You can choose to come to Calvary, or you can choose to go the way of the world.